It's your Thursday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Happy to be back for another day. Big show coming up. Um, Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune columnist, joins me here in a little bit. Wanted to get Chip's thoughts on Twins. Season opener today for the Twins in uh, in Kansas City. Wanted to get his thoughts on the pitching staff. Sonny Gray's comments the other day that they're not going to be satisfied going four or five innings anymore. How that sets up for the year. Um, also talk to Chip about the Vikings and go for football. Go for football has a lot of transfers into the portal lately. And uh, wanted to pick Chip's brain on that one a little bit. Um, so hope you enjoy that in a little while here. I'll get to a, 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 a listener question towards the end in addition to some sobering realities for Bally Sports North and the number of uh, subscribers they have reportedly lost in the last um, the last 10 years and specifically the last five years. So stick around for that. Those are some pretty interesting numbers. First, though, what did I miss? It was big night of games, Timberwolves and Wild. Much different outcomes. One team left howling on the road about a free throw discrepancy against the Suns. Rudy Gobert um, makes a lot of money, but he's going to be giving some of it away based on the comments he had for officials after a 107-100 to loss to the Suns. Um, I want to get to the Wild game first, though, because they did... Beat Colorado four to two on the road against their, you know, probably their their most serious challenger as they're going now into the Central Division. Um, you know, the thick of that race, trying to trying to hold on and and be first place, win that division. Um, they they, they entered the game up by one point uh, against Colorado, win that game four to two. A couple of shorthanded goals from Freddie Goudreau. Um, another great night from Philip Gustafson, by the way, with 42 saves, stood on his head a lot in that third period in particular and late in the second to, to make sure that they were going to win that game. So, you know, just, just a lot of, uh, a lot of positives for the wild from that game to, uh, to, to get that win, to make sure that they are staying in first place. They're now three points up, uh, three, yeah, three points up on both Colorado and Dallas now. I still can't believe this team is seven one and two since Kirill Kaprizov injured uh, got injured ten games ago. Part of a sixteen one and four stretch over their last twenty one games. I mean, like like I said, like I was saying, they 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 started the year. You didn't think they were going anywhere, and in about a month month and a half ago, coming out of the All Star break, they were looked like like they were going to fall completely out of the playoff picture or were teetering on that brink. And now all of a sudden, here they are. In first place, maintaining that three-point lead. Now it doesn't get any easier. They got two games now against Vegas. Their next two against Vegas. And that's you know that's going to determine not just whether they win the Central, but that could determine whether they have number one overall seed in the West because they're just one point behind Vegas. Vegas does have a game in hand, so it's going to be hard to catch Vegas. But let's say they let's say they 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 do well here. Let's say they get two three points here. Kind of, kind of tread water and then, and have a chance down the stretch here. That is just to be in that conversation is a pretty amazing feat for this team. And I don't know, I'm just, just impressed with the way they've been able to get this done. The, the moves that they made at the deadline really seem to have given the offense a certain spark. You saw it in this game, uh, you know, with 
you know, three goals before the, the empty netter, you know, four goals overall. That's 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 enough against Colorado. But just in general, how they've been scoring, especially without Kaprizov lately, just an impressive team right now. I don't know what to make of their kind of overall big picture uh, cup champion cup cup chances. You know, the East has so many teams that are are really good, and Boston's just head and shoulders above everybody else. But you know. Thinking about this team as a team that can win a playoff series or two, that's not far-fetched, but the way they've been playing with their status in the West. Now, the Wolves, their status in the West seems like it changes every night. And I think this this game against Phoenix laid bare some of their, you know, some of the problems they've had with officiating all season long. And I think it's, you know, it's a defeatist kind of attitude to complain about officiating. But at the same time, I think they did have a point in this game against Phoenix. They only shot 12 free throws. Phoenix shot 27. There were some really weird calls in this game, especially against Rudy Gobert. A couple of illegal screens called late in the game on him in this game. Rudy Gobert went off on officials afterwards saying, it's not fair. It's really not fair. Every night I've been in this league for 10 years and I try always to give the benefit of the doubt, but it's hard for me to think they're not trying to help the Suns win tonight. It's hard for me to think they didn't try to help the Warriors win the other night or Sacramento Kings the other night. It's just so obvious. As a basketball player that's been this that's been in this league for so long, it's disrespectful. Wow. He is going after him. He said later kind of along the same vein, we understand that we're not the biggest of markets and we're a team that I don't think you want to I think you want to see Kevin Durant in the playoffs, Steph Curry in the playoffs. You want to see LeBron James in the playoffs. The Timberwolves are not there yet. We've got to keep putting our head down, keep playing through that and it's frustrating for sure, especially for me. So, kind of putting on the 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 conspiracy theory hat that a lot of fans like to wear. But here's the thing. The Wolves came into this game 12th in the league in free throw rate. You know, not a team that shoots a ton of free throws, but a little little more than league average. Phoenix Suns came into this game 28th in the league in free throw rate. So you tell me, you tell me what was fair, what was not fair in this game. And even through all that, the the Wolves had a chance to win this game, didn't get it done. And I think, you know, I think ultimately you will probably remember this game more for the Wolves just kind of reaching a little bit of a, a grind, an end to the grind at the end of a three-game trip. A very successful one, by the way, still. They were 2-1 and one on this trip, really gave themselves a chance in these last handful of games now that the, the schedule gets a little bit more forgiving, although I don't know if, if LeBron and the Lakers coming to Target Center on Friday is necessarily forgiving, but it eases up a little bit. It's a little bit better home-road balance, things like that down the stretch, but you know, I think they should be happy, certainly, with the way this trip went. And I, What I hope is that this complaining about the officiating does not carry over into how they carry themselves in in these in the rest of these games because I think they've had a pretty good thing going and I think sometimes you just lose sometimes you play reasonably well you play hard and you just lose to a better team I think Phoenix is still the much better team than the Wolves I think Phoenix is maybe the favorite to win the to win the West right now given the pieces they have given the addition of Kevin Durant given that they already have Chris Paul Devin Booker, you know, the pieces around those guys. This is a team that even though they're the number four seed right now, I would not at all be surprised if they come out of the West. All that said, you can you can be frustrated by this. You can understand that there is probably some element of truth to it, but you cannot carry that attitude into the rest of your season. You can play with a chip on your shoulder, that's fine, but sometimes it's a self-defeatist attitude to carry this attitude in. So I want to see how they respond to this against the Lakers on Friday. That is going to be a fantastic game. And by the way, I'm going to have a musician, 
Lakers fan and NBA writer Claire DeLune on Friday show to set up that game and talk all things NBA. So that should be a special treat for you as well. So look forward to that. We'll see how the Wolves rebound from this one. And we'll see how much Rudy Gobert ends up giving up out of his pocket. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Let's bring in Chip Scoggins right now, Start Tribune columnist. Love to have him on the show. Usually to talk about a bunch of different things, and Chip, I think that'll be the case today. Um... Want to talk Twins, Vikings, maybe they'll go for football because um, it's that time of year, is it not? How you doing? I'm doing great, Mikey. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you coming on. Um, Twins start the season Thursday in Kansas City, and I think a lot of us are of the mind that if this season is going to go well, it's probably going to be the pitching that yeah. gets them there. And um, I engaged Phil Miller on this the other day, and I talked to Royce a little bit about this on Monday, but... Sonny Gray coming out and saying we're not going to be satisfied throwing four or five innings was pretty interesting <laughs> to me. Yeah. And I, I didn't necessarily see it as like a direct shot at management or a direct shot at Rocco or even specifically directed at Chris Archer or Dylan Bundy, even if you could draw <laughs> yeah. your own inferences. But I wanted to know what you thought of that kind of being the framework for how we're going into this season. I loved it. And I wrote a column that uh, I think is posted today that – can we please have a baseball season that does not revolve around injuries and pitch counts? Yeah. Like that's all we talked about last year. <laughs> it's right? true. Who's hurt today and who's getting taken out in the fifth inning. And um, we're going to find out fairly quickly if this was a personnel issue with their starters or if is it is an organizational philosophy um, in terms of not, wanting their starters to see the the lineup for a third time through. Bill Miller gave me a great stat that their, their rotation faced batters, only 448 batters for a third time in a game. Wow. That was the lowest number of any team in a hundred years. Is that true? What? A hundred years. <laughs> yeah, that, that that takes out the 2020 pandemic season. Of course. I, I would say, I would full say season. second. Full, full season. season. Yeah. And I'll say I, second in, in, with an asterisk. Okay. That included the 2018 Tampa Bay Rays, which used their closers. Openers. Or their, yeah, their leaders the opener as the openers. Yeah. So yeah. That, that skewed that number. So if you're talking about legitimately – the fewest number of uh, batters faced a third time in a game in a hundred years. Wow. Um, now that's not a mark that, of that's not a mark of honor. That is not a record no. you want. I don't think that, I don't think that's a record. Even if even if it's effective, even if they can come to you and show you that they're not a third time through the order team, that 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 it was wise not to let these guys do that. That's not a badge of honor to me. No, are you? I don't think you're going to hang a banner for that one. Um, <laughs> hang a banner at Target Field, fewest times <laughs> facing the third batter through the order. That'd be great. And I the, wish they would. The, that's right. The other stat was um, 110 of their starts uh, yeah. did not did not make it to the sixth inning. Um, 
yeah. which was uh, the fewest in, in Major League Baseball. So is that a Chris Archer and Dylan Bundy problem? Right. Or is that uh, – because this staff, I think anybody reasonably would say it's a better starting rotation. Deeper, yes. more uh, more representative starters. Nobody you look at and be like, eh, what are – you know, yeah. this is – so um, – and Rocco's on record saying he wants he he expects and he wants this staff to do to be a bigger part of what they do and that they're going to pitch deeper in games. So um, we'll see and we'll see if this if the, if they and and you know Rocco takes the brunt of the criticism. This is yeah. an organization. This starts yeah. above him and it, and it flows down. So it was a morning um, meeting. This is a morning meeting thing. It happens <laughs> eight hours before the game starts. That's right. So I, you know, I appreciate Sonny Gray saying that. Um, I don't, I don't know if it was directed, you know, at Rocco Falvey or the, or the guys that were in the rotation last year, more than him just saying he was frustrated to be part of that last year. And he does not want to go through that again. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like I looked through his, and I think I said this to Phil, I looked through his game log and it wasn't like there were more than two or three starts where I was like, oh man, Sonny Gray should have pitched one or two more innings there. Like usually when he was having a shorter start, it was because he was either coming back from an injury or you know, ramping yeah. up or he just got, he got hit hard and they had to take him out. So, you know, I think some of that is protecting the pitcher in some cases, but I like it. I like that. I like that he has that attitude going into the season because they got to get more from the starters. And like you said, I think these pitchers are capable of more. Now, one question I would ask you though, is when I talked to Phil, one of the things he said that that Levine had told him is that even if they don't feel like they have a, you know, a conventional ACE, on the staff. They feel like they have a staff of five deep and maybe even Bailey over. If you want to throw them in the conversation, that's at least a number three starter, like a lot of twos and threes. Do you think of these guys all as twos and threes or is that too optimistic? Well, um, I, I, I see what he's saying in that uh, they don't have the high end guy, but they yeah. also don't have the Chris Archer and Dylan they're not, Bundy. They're not that, fives. They're not fives. They're but not are fives. They, are they twos? I, uh, you know, uh, probably more threes. Um, yeah. Three, three, four, two. It, it, a lot of it is, okay, Maeda. What, what, what Kenta Maeda are you getting? Sure. <laughs> you know, um, you know, how, how effective is he going to be coming back uh, from his injury? Um, Joe Ryan, I like a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, to say you're, you you have a bunch of twos, I don't know if I would say that. I, I, let's let's split the difference and say threes. How's Got a that? bunch of threes, which you know, <laughs> which compared to a lot of past rotations, I think you could make the case that this is you know, having a bunch of threes means that you're going to go into most games feeling like you got feeling like you have a chance as long as these guys are healthy, and that's that yeah. that goes a long way. And that and that's the thing is 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 you know the problem last year is they didn't have that, and then. No you had a vulnerable uh, bullpen that you were overworking. Um, now you, you had some revelations come out of there with Griffin Jacks last year. I mean, he, he proved to be, he, he took to that role um, after transition from a starter, obviously Duran, we know that uh, how effective he is. So I, I think right. the bullpen's in a better starting point than what it was last year. Um, and you, you know, you, you shouldn't, uh, be asking them to give you as much as they did last year. Uh, and so I think they're in a better overall spot with their pitching. And um, so that's a good starting point. I mean, I, I you know, I, I mentioned it off the top here. Let's not have a season where we're talking about injuries every day. Yeah. And yet 
day one, we're going to talk about injuries. Yeah, <laughs> because are. guys, guys are not here. I mean, Polanco, Polanco, Kirilov, yeah, and 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 I know Buxton's not injured. Yeah, but the but the fact that he's going to be primarily a designated hitter here for the first however long they're going to do this, uh, you're taking away his value. A lot well, it means he's value. not. It means he's not healthy. He's not fully healthy if he's going to DH, or at least they they're worried about an injury recurrence at that. At yeah, least. I I don't know if it's saying he's unhealthy, but it's, it's saying he's not capable of playing center field for right. X number of games. That they're they're trying to they're worried about it. Protect they're worried him about it. Or, yeah, yeah, they're they're worried about it. and so. We are talking about it here, but um, so when you look at those guys that are going to be missing here at the beginning and who's replacing them, I, I think run production is going to be the big issue right now. No, I do too. I mean, you look at like baseball prospectus, I was just looking at this, their projection system, which just kind of takes into account roster and you know projecting the number of runs they're going to give up based on defense, based on pitching. They're projected to give up the second fewest runs in all of baseball this year, you know, and I think the defense is going to be good and I like the starting pitching, but that's, that's where they're getting 88 wins for this team. And that's probably where a lot of the optimism from anybody else comes from, but that's still asking enough of an offense that I'm not sure is really going to be anything more than average this year, even if people are healthy. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, you, I, I don't know if Kirilov's ever going to be, uh, able to overcome these this rest thing uh it might just be something that he deals with but but you know we're all just assuming because there's you know the ban on the shifts that max kepler is going to have a bounce back oh we don't know that right um and buxton talked before that he's a center fielder and it took him you know time to adjust to that designated role hitter role i mean it was feast or famine last yeah. year when he was in that spot. I mean, it was a lot of strikeouts. I mean, he hit for power too, but, um, you know, how effective is he going to be just as a, a DH here? So I, I do think, I do think they're going to be good defensively. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I agree with that and the runs that they're going to save. Um, but I, I still just have questions about how this team's going to hit. No, I think it's interesting too. I think Buxton said it was a month or two ago, uh, maybe the start of the spring or whenever. He, maybe he was even Twins Fest. I can't remember when he was talking, but he was kind of asked about transitioning to being a DH sometimes. And you know, I think there's this notion a lot of people have that when you DH, it's almost like a day off because all you have to do yeah. is hit four times. But he was talking about the the mental grind, how between at bats you're going down to the cage, you're taking a bunch of swings, you're trying to stay sharp. It's not. It's not a day off. It's certainly an easier day to some degree, but because you know, you're not trotting out to the outfield nine times, you're not running around chasing down balls, crashing into the wall, things like that. But it's not a day off. It's there's still a wear and tear factor that uh, they take into consideration. Well, and I think um, it was written, or he may have said it last year that hitting put stress on his knee last year, like yeah. just as much as playing the field. So it's not. Yeah, you're right. It's not like yes, in some degrees, you're you're minimizing the potential for injury running in the wall or whatever, diving for a ball that we see him get hurt that way. But it's not like he's just going to be uh, in bubble wrap going up there. No. And it, it is going to take, um, and, and I just don't think he ever really got comfortable with the idea of just, you know, having four at bats and not playing in the field. I mean, I think that there is a mental part of that that you have to get used to. And I don't think he ever really felt comfortable in it. No. Um, and I think it was uh, early this camp where, I think he had told Suhan 
where he just, he said, I'm not a DH, I'm a center fielder, you know? Um, and so it'll be interesting to see, you know, I'm sure the medical staff will win out on that one um, and they'll have a plan for him, but I, 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 he's probably going along with it reluctantly because we know how much he loves to play in the field. Yeah, no, I think so. Well, we'll see. I mean, the season starts Thursday, a little bit of a, a soft opening with Kansas City. I don't think they're going to be very good this year, but, you know, they're going to go to Miami. But the home opener is going to be against Houston. That's going to be pretty good. Uh, Phil's saying that's, that's a pretty good, like, litmus test, and it's not going to de- not going to determine the season. But Houston just absolutely clobbered them last year. They showed where they were. Even when the Twins were playing well, they weren't competing with the best teams. Well, and that's, you know, that's the one thing we're probably not talking enough about is, like, this new schedule. Yeah. It's like yeah. you're not just going to be able to beat up on the division teams that are bad. Um, you know, you're playing everybody and the, and the schedule is going to be tougher. And so, um, you know, but, it, but I do think this is the deepest the pitching staff has been. Yes. That, that I we've agree seen with that. here in a while, yes. um, top to bottom. So you should be able to, um, you know, survive injury or two, or if guys slumps, you, you know, you have some guys at, at St. Paul that could help you out. Um, and I, I think the, you know, the position players, you went out and added guys to protect you or at least help get you through until, you know, Polanco's back or right. um, Buxton is, is able to play every day or not every day, but play more in the center field. Um, so I think they, they've done a good job. Fowley's front office did a good job of uh, acquiring pitchers and players uh, provide depth so they don't yes. go through what they did last year because that was uh, – their depth got tested in a big way and we saw what happened. Yeah. The outfield depth was just got decimated last year and you know, the infield depth too. I think you're right. Guys like Kyle Farmer, Solano, um, you know, yeah. Taylor, the, these guys are much more, there's much more quality when you have to dip into that this year. No doubt about it. Um, let's switch gears. I want to talk football here, Vikings and Gophers. Let's start with Vikings. Um, we were talking before we started recording about, your impressions of the off season so far and what the plan has been. I'm kind of, I'm on record as saying I'm a little confused as to where they are right now. I thought that I thought they started out kind of, you know, trajectory wise going more towards a rebuild. And I just kind of, I kind of felt like they stalled because I, I just don't get what, what's going on with Darius, Darius Smith and Dalvin cook, but there's a lot of time to sort that out. I'm curious to see what you hear, hear what you think of what's gone on so far this off season. Yeah. I wrote a column um, after that first um, wave or whatever, you know, it opened phrase. You opened that. We're starting to see Quasi's playbook now, you know, getting rid of, uh, you know, kind of the old guard that's been here for a while. Shen salary, getting their salary cap situation a little bit better shape. Preparing more for twenty twenty four, be willing to bite uh, bite the bullet on some dead money this year. I agree with you on on Cook and Zedarius. I did not. I thought they would be part of that group that were jettisoned. Yeah, but maybe they still could be. Um, my hunch is that uh, they're trying to find trades for those two. Yes, um, and, and maybe let's, let's talk about Cook because I thought honestly I thought he would be you know the first one on the list because. They finished 27th, 28th in carries last year, and it doesn't make sense to have a running back eating up that kind of salary space. And then, you know, um, you know whether you – that is Kevin O'Connell's offense, that you're just not going to have that many carries. Um, 
it just to me that one uh seemed like an easy hey they're going to try to find a trade partner for dalvin um and get some prospects and kind of replenish their their young talent um zadarius you know, they've re-signed guys at those positions, or they have signed guys at those positions, re-signed Alex Madison, uh, Madison and then brought in a free agent uh, pass rusher. So that, you know, the optics of that yeah. said, okay, they're going to move on from these guys, and they haven't done it yet. So that that tells me they're still trying to do something. It doesn't mean they, they can't um, still find trade partners for those guys. So I guess I would still be a little surprised if both of those players were on this roster on when they go to camp. Um, yeah, I would too. But it's... Obviously, to me, the most intriguing thing is the, is the Kirk Cousins. Yeah, um, the way they handled that, and the fact that they just seem willing to roll with uh, this being a lame duck year for him doesn't mean they can't re-sign him again right. and, uh, at the end of this year. But I totally agree with their philosophy of we're not going to do a three or four year deal. I thought the most practical uh, landing spot for them. And cousins, although I know he would want a three or four year there, is, is to do one year that buys you one more year. Extra, yeah. One more year. Uh and whether you draft a guy this year or next year, um, you would have at least one quote unquote red shirt season for that quarterback right. to sit sit and learn under cousins. Um, so I don't know if that doesn't happen. If and that's not to say cousins between now and training camp can't say, you know what? Okay, I'll take it a one year extension. Um Let's say it stays as is. Boy, you put yourself on the clock to get that quarterback here quickly. Yeah, you do, don't you? I mean, and that's where I need you to get on the the Hendon Hooker hype train because yeah, I you know, I when I talked to you for your, the story that you did, um, I love everything about Hendon Hooker personality leader. I mean, just uh, everybody involved land loved what he brought to <clears throat> that program, the state. The only question I have, and this is for football people more, you know, s- smart than I am about football, is the Vols' offense is so unique, right, and so different than anything you see at the NFL. I just, how does that translate? Does the skill set translate to what they're asking him? Um, and you, you only get that from, you know, and you won't know for sure, but you can kind of answer those questions through talking to them, doing film study, doing all the things that they do, and the, you know, the interviews and the combine and all that. So, um, but. Physically, if his knee's okay, um, I wouldn't have any concerns. You know, 25 years old, I don't care. That doesn't bother me. Right. Personal, uh, character, everything. Like I said, he's A+. plus. So it'll be interesting. I mean, if they, you know, if you don't do it this year, and this is lame duck for cousins, boy, you better be in position. Now, you could do a bridge. Yeah. You can do it, but, I, I mean, does anybody have the appetite for that right now? Well, and and if you're gonna if you end up moving on from cousins, like even a bridge still costs something, and you're gonna be paying you know, not paying, but you're gonna have 28 million in dead cap on him next year if you don't correct do anything. Yeah. So you can't if you're moving on from cousins after this year, you can't be paying a quarterback a lot next year. Well, and and the thing is is having a quarterback on a rookie deal is so seductive in the yes. NFL. Like everybody is trying to find it, right? Because yes. you can do so much more with your roster and I'm sure the Wills are looking at that. And, you know, Quasey and Kevin O'Connor are looking at that, that man, if you could have a quarterback on a rookie scale 
and playing at a high level that will help you be competitive and win, you're just set up to do so much. Right. Yeah, you are. I mean, it's just, it's the, I think uh, Ben Gessling, our colleague, calls it the cheat code. It's like, if you get that guy, <laughs> it it's like, it, it's like, unless you, if you have the superstar, that's one thing. But if you get the guy who, you know, is good enough for, you know, three or four years on that rookie deal, it, it changes what you're able to do, especially like, you see how much the NFL salary cap's going to go up in the next three yeah. or four years? Like in by 2026, it's supposed to be like over 300 million. Like this is going to be like, if you have a rookie scale quarterback during those cap acceleration years, like you could, you could be in some pretty prime shape to add a lot of other good pieces around that guy. Yeah. You can go get that expensive nose tackle and right. the, all the, you know, the, the interior line. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, the guy, I mean, you just can do so much. And so I'm sure that, you know, every team's trying to do that. And the, and the Vikings are at that crossroads right now. I mean, they really are at a crossroads in terms of uh, what they're going to do for the next, ideally 10 years at that position. And so, but if they don't do it this year, Mike, I don't think this team's going to take a step back. I don't see them win 13 games with that no schedule. Way. And, uh, no, way. but, but I don't think they're going to be so bad that you're picking in the top 10. No. And so how are you going to get up to get that? You know, right. You, I mean, Caleb Williams is go, go number one, but whoever, you know, um, if you're wanting that marquee quarterback, you're probably going to have to be in the top 10. And so will they have enough ammunition to go be able to do it? They might have to give up some future ones, but right. um, so that's something they have to sort out. It really is. Um, last thing for you, Chip, before you go, um, and I'm just, this is me talking out loud, not so much wanting you to specifically answer this, but man, what is going on with Gopher football? I feel like every time I open... Um, open to starttribune.com or something like that. There's somebody else from that program entering the transfer portal. A lot of it's defensive players. And that's just surprising because they've had a good defense. You know, Rossi's a good defensive coach. Like I don't, I don't understand why there's been so much attrition over there on defense. Yeah. The thing that I, uh, I become numb to, to players leaving, you know, the, the movement in college sports sure, uh, because of the portal. And it's just, it just happens. The thing that's been surprising to me is the timing. Yeah. I mean, these guys are leaving right before uh, spring ball. Spring ball Carter, yeah. After one practice, uh, you know, we had another kid. Uh, another kid left yesterday. Um, so that that to me is the the surprising thing because if you did it right after a season. Okay, it makes sense. Do it right after bowl game. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, because then you want to get to a new school and right. and um, you know get adjusted. But the fact that you're leaving in the middle of spring ball or, um, you know, right before it, it, the timing is, is odd to me. And I can't pretend to know. I mean, I think there's been what, 10 or 11. I, I don't yeah. Know. It's a lot. It, yeah. I can't, I can't pretend to know like every kid's reasoning, like why, you know, and I think there's probably multiple reasons. Um, obviously <clears throat> we saw some holdover players leave, uh, based on what happened in recruiting. Sure. Particularly at the at the wide receiver position, yes, of course. Um, but you know, so they uh, you know they feel like their playing time is going to go down, you know, whatever. But it's a lot. I mean, typically when you see this much, um, it's been a coaching change. So that hasn't. Now they've had some coaching changes in this staff, but um, it, this feels like an unusual number that have left, and maybe it's because. Uh, We've seen some guys that were in line to be starters, um, guys who played a lot, 
And I think, again, to me, more so why it stands out is just the timing of it. Yeah, they didn't all just leave yeah. right after the season, which th- then you'd say, okay, yeah, just they were unhappy. They're going to go to just do it, you know, in the middle of March or right in the middle of spring ball. It, it, to me, that feels unusual. Yeah, the timing part's unusual to me. And like you said, it used to be t- playing time or coaching change was almost it was like 90% of transfers. That was it. And, you know, sometimes both. Like, that's not the case here. Like you said, a lot of these people were probably going to get some decent run next season and they just don't. So maybe it's just the way of that's maybe it's just the way of college sports now. And this is a, a one-off and it won't be like this most years for them. And this is just the way of the way of the portal. It just struck me as this is, this seems like a lot, especially for a program that's had a pretty good upward arc, you know, 2019, 2000, you know, 22 in particular, just, you know, in competition for, for being right up there at the end. So, We'll see. We'll see if it uh, if it changes. If this is a sign of things to come, or or what uh, or what it is. But uh, Chip, appreciate uh, all the insights as usual. I'm sure I'm sure you'll be watching a lot of Wild and Wolves, just like me, in the next week or two. And uh, I'm sure we'll catch up soon. All right, brother. Thanks, man. Great to catch up with Chip Scoggins on all of those things. Does a great job writing about the Twins and all subjects for the Star Tribune. Like he said, he had a column about how the, the Twins need to get out of that mode of you know four innings, five innings for their starts, and I hope that is the case. Maybe even starting today in the, in the opener against Kansas City, 3 o'clock for that game. Time to check my social media, y'all. To see who loves me online. Hashtag blessed life. When you hear that song, it means it's time for me to dip into my social media for a listener question. Moose Murphy wants to know, what are the odds the Twins are added to my Bally Sports North streaming subscription by Thursday's opener or ever? And I clarified, I said, the Bally Sports Plus app, um, you know, the one where you're paying $20 a month for access to the Bally Sports Plus channel. I said, not great from what I'm told. And uh, that matches some reporting in the... Uh, in the St. Paul, Minneapolis St. Paul Business Journal that I want to get to here in the cooler. They're saying that's still not something that's happening here by opening day. A lot of people are going to drop that quickly because, you know, once you're done with Wolves and Wild season, there's really not much of a reason to stick around, uh, and, and watch the games on the app. I mean, obviously there's other stuff on the app. There's Lynx games on the app. I'm not saying you wouldn't stick around and pay that, but if you are a fan of the Twins, you are not going to be getting them on the uh, on the app through that twenty dollars a month streaming service, so that piece of it is a uh, is is not great for Twins fans, but it's only part of the overall bad news picture for Bally Sports North. I want to get to that in the cooler report in um, the Business Journal, um, citing research from S and P Global Market Intelligence saying Bally Sports North lost more than half of its subscriber base in the last decade, and really. In the last five years, according to the report, Bally Sports North had 2.9 million subscribers in 2013. That's, of course, when it was Fox Sports North. And then um, right now they have 1.2 million subscribers. So almost a, more than half of their of their viewers going away, of their subscribers going away, which includes a staggering 1.4 million subscribers lost in just the last five years. That right there, that tells you everything to know. You need to know about the financial picture, why they fi- why Diamond Sports filed bankruptcy earlier this month. Um, you know, obviously, they 
They bought, you know, Diamond Sports, a subsidiary of parent company Sinclair, which bought all of these regional sports networks in 2019 for $10.6 billion. They are not making the same amount of money they used to. Cord cutters, a poorly run business, I would argue, and a lot of other things have contributed to that. Um, but right now, less than half of the people who would have watched the Twins today uh, have access to them at least through Bally Sports North. That is a staggering number, and that tells you everything you need to know about where we are with Bally Sports North and sports on TV right now. That'll do it for me today. You still watch the game if you can. Um, Twins opener, it's always fun to see how that all goes, just to get a, kind of finally see these guys in real games. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Like I said, musician, NBA uh, writer, Lakers fan extraordinaire Claire DeLune will be on the show with me Friday. Should be a lot of fun. She was on once, I think a couple of years ago, early part of the podcast. Did a great job. Really enjoy the perspectives she brings. So I hope you will stick around for that on Friday. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day. Back at it again tomorrow.